0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Startup Sparks and Serendipity. This is Mike. And as always, I have the honor of
1: being joined by Max. How are you doing? Hey, Mike. Uh, all good. Can't complain. I spelled I, I, I said your name right. So I uh, couldn't, couldn't start the episode better, I guess. <laughs> Last time we had some challenges for everyone that didn't listen. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. It's tough.
0: Oh yeah, uh, how did you, um, I think you wanted to say a couple of things about the last episode
1: with Jeff, is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. Um, actually, because I, I got some very positive feedback, um, not just because it's uh, like we, we just for the people who don't know, on the last episode, we interviewed Jeff Gothelf, who's like a yeah well-known product strategy expert, UX expert. Um originally a designer, but has actually written, I think, four books in total, and also launched a new one about employability. And we talked about being forever employable and what people can do about it to be forever employable. And I very much liked it. I think the feedback was was great. Um, lots of people can resonate with it because, of course, they understood the talent market is changing, that they somehow need to adapt. And I think the one part that I definitely took away from Jeff's, Jeff's interview um, was that, it is more and more important to build your own personal platform, which you can also um, it can also mean build your own personal brand in some form through content marketing on different platforms. Uh, but what what I found, and I, I wonder what you think about it, Mike, but what I found quite interesting is that he used the Ikigai model to explore what might be the first niche that you are focusing on to build your personal platform.
0: Yeah, I, I like the I like frameworks in general. Frameworks make it Easier to think, in my Mm. opinion. Not always, but often they just structure your thoughts. So I I think they can be very helpful, especially if you don't know where to start. So I actually have suggested the Ikigai framework to a couple of my friends and acquaintances who were unsure about which career to follow, just Mm -hmm. in general. And I haven't thought about it before in the sense of finding your own niche, but in terms of content, but it makes Mm. a lot of sense, right? It does, It's just a, a narrower application of your career focus. So yeah, I'm I'm a big fan. And I think it can be helpful, especially if you don't know where to start and
1: what to use to actually figure out what you want to do. Was there specifically something that you took away that you already applied or that you discussed with f- friends or peers uh, that was particularly interesting to you? I think for, for some of the things that he mentioned,
0: I was subconsciously already following it. Mm. but i literally used the ikigai framework like an hour after the podcast to figure out what my next content piece should be about so yeah i, I think i i just used the the very recent stimulus of the conversation for that mm. and then i I've, I've also talked to a couple of people who listened who are currently doing career changes mm. and thinking about the next steps and I found it fairly useful just to have, have a bit more input on what they can do and how they can find something that they really want to do. I
2: agree.
1: And I- yeah, so I, I found it very useful absolutely same here um, I haven't I have I, I used it once I think that's two or three years ago I want to do it again just to also recap my decision from back then what I also found interesting and I think you asked it and and we talked about it with him about why do you actually need to create content and where does it help you and one of the reasons was, As soon as you start creating content, it helps you to build a platform, of course, build your personal brand in that specific topic. But the other part is, and of course, that's super obvious, but in the last days, I noticed it again. When you create content, you learn to write in different forms and you can do that with your internal company blog or you do that with your evening journal, whatever it is, just start practicing it on a day-to-day basis. And even though you don't publish it, it helps you to phrase and, and summarize your thoughts in a more simplistic way. And of course, you are the expert. You have written much more than I do. Um, or than i did Uh, so that's definitely something where i noticed noticed again how focused writing even in the evening if you're tired can help you shape your style and your thinking process when you write
0: yeah i honestly think that writing is one of the most important skills you have and it becomes more and more important Mm. the bigger the teams are that you're leading because at some point you won't be talking to everyone in person right once you're a manager of a manager then you write a memo or you write an email to the whole company or to your team or to your division or whatever and writing becomes important and then in addition to that it it also becomes very important that you can communicate to your customers and the more customers you have the less likely you are to have direct conversations with them right so the actual language that you use, how you use the language, and then also when you apply which style can be a really important power. And I think it's, it's an undervalued skill in my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. And I should write much more. I am definitely, I mean, I'm writing more than probably the average person, but mm-hmm. I'm definitely not writing enough
1: in my opinion. Okay yeah same here i i need to learn from you there so i think uh, there's some catch up that i need to do on medium and other channels <laughs> okay let's make a let's make a bet
0: until we uh, until we record the next episode both of us have published another piece
1: of content i like it let's do it Sounds like a plan. Okay. One, one last thing, Mike, before we start off with the topic, I, I'm quite passionate at the moment about a specific topic that he also mentioned, which is, of course, employability. Um, and I personally think also, because I did a lot of research in the HR field, that it will definitely change over the next years. And uh, one thing that I also found out when talking to different clients and talking to big organizations is that they're more and more thinking about project-based work, um, also based on, on the book um, Reinventing Organizations, where it's really about the vision of putting people in a a circle of self-management so that they're not actually controlled by a manager anymore, but instead they're actually controlled by themselves. And I think this will be something that will be particularly interesting in the next five to 10 years where more and more organizations will move from a very hierarchical pathway to success or to career growth to a project-based work. And when you think about employability in a sense that people will work in micro jobs and their specific niche will be worth more because they work for three weeks in that company and then for three weeks in the other company. The whole perception of forever employability gets a different perspective, I believe. I'm also looking into the future of how organizations will be adapting to the changes in the global market.
0: So when you're saying project-based work, you mean actual freelancers or do you mean full-time employees that just switch from project to project?
1: And I think that will be a hybrid version. I don't think organizations will be fully relying on freelancers or full-time employees. It will be a mix of both. But the interesting part is if you have a project-based organization, you are actually enabling both things to work. You can you can bring in freelancers or experts in, in, in micro-entrepreneurship topics and you can use your full-time employees. And the hybrid version will be more interesting, I guess, in the future.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I had a really interesting conversation with... Someone, I think a couple of months ago now, who is running a completely horizontal organization. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember if you were present because it was definitely in our, <laughs> in our shared circle of, of acquaintances. But I, I don't think that you were. And it was very interesting. They are a bit more research focused, but mm-hmm. they, they use a very democratic process for everything. Maybe we can dive a bit deeper into that at some point. It was very Absolutely. interesting.
1: We can, we can also invite um, one of the founders of Blinkist. I had him on my previous podcast as well. He's a great source for holacracy and uh, horizontal thinking and organization. So maybe that's something that we should have on all this. Now we put it on the podcast, so we need to do it. <laughs> Sounds good. Shall we jump into the, the other topic that we are... That we want I'm to? Ready. Cool. So we want to talk about dopamine games. Um, or especially dopamine in relation to games. And um, maybe, Mike, you can give a short intro of why we actually do that or why we found it interesting, and then also what dopamine is as a a starting point to the topic.
0: Yeah, so I think everyone has heard of dopamine, and we won't go into the biological or chemical details, but I'll give you a very short explanation of what it is and then also, more importantly, why we're interested in it. I, I think, especially in the last 10 years or so, more and more companies have used dopamine and the effects dopamine can cause in the body to their advantage. And I think it's, it has gotten to a level where not only the most superior companies have understood how to use it, but it, it has almost reached mainstream. And that has very interesting, but sometimes also severe implications for how we live our lives. And yeah, but to start it off, Uh, dopamine is a type of neurotransmitter. So what that means is that our nervous system uses it to send messages between nerve cells. And that's also why it's sometimes called a chemical messenger. And you don't really need to understand all of it. And I think we also, like we as like the, the scientific community or humanity doesn't understand everything related to dopamine yet as it is often the case with a very complex subjects. But dopamine plays a very big role in how we feel pleasure. And it's also a big part in our ability to think and plan. It has a, a lot of different applications. And things that have a, a lot of applications in our body usually have this weird dichotomy of, on the one hand, being extremely helpful to accomplishing the goals that we have, but on the other hand also showing significant weaknesses in in terms of our own biological composition. So, for example, dopamine is related to how we learn, how we motivate ourselves, it's related to sleep, mood, attention, and you notice how important dopamine is once dopamine is missing, or once you have too much dopamine, or Uh, like too much dopamine at a specific point in time, because there's a lot of mental health disorders that are actually linked to problems with your
1: dopamine levels. Parkinson is one of them, right? Parkinson?
0: uh, Yeah. Parkinson is one of them. Exactly. Uh, I think that's a a more physical problem Mm -hmm. rather than a mental health disorder, but I'm not 100% sure how you classify it. But then for example, the uh, ADHD, is something that might be or like one hypothesis is that it's related to a shortage of dopamine then uh, schizophrenia and other mental health problems uh, like depression are related to problems with your dopamine level and the, the weird thing is that like it, it's sometimes it's in different directions so for example with schizophrenia apparently it's from a hyperactive dopamine system Whereas when you're depressed then usually your dopamine levels are just too low and you can't really get enough dopamine uh, mm-hmm. to the through the right cells uh, in your body and then one very important thing and I think that's the actual thing that we will focus on the most I think is addiction mm-hmm. and the interesting thing about addiction and the the most obvious example is drug addiction is that most things or activities people are addicted to are activities that cause a big and fast increase of dopamine in your brain and let's use cocaine as the obvious example cocaine is a pleasure drug right and if you use cocaine it causes a very steep increase in your dopamine so you your natural reward system just like is satisfied in a very big manner. But the problem is that your threshold for this kind of usage increases. So you mm-hmm. want more of it. You want more of it. You want it again. And in relation to your dopamine highs, the rest of your life just feels a bit bland and boring mm-hmm. just because you have this hype, these high peaks. And now making the final transition from drug addictions to okay. some of the other things we're talking to, it's not only drugs that are actually causing dopamine spikes it can also be caused by other things like there are people addicted to gambling and that's related to dopamine spikes Mm -hmm. there are people addicted to many many other things and a lot of it can apparently at least according to our current scientific understanding be linked to a problem with your dopamine level and i think that's a very good transition to what we actually want to talk about we want to talk about companies that use these dopamine spikes to, to nudge you or to indirectly force you to use their applications and services more than you would otherwise. And I think the most famous application for that is Facebook. That's basically what brought it to, to the surface uh, a couple of years ago now, uh, probably like more than a couple of years ago now because it's already 2020. But basically social media. Is the most obvious example where you spend time, maybe you post something, and then you get a dopamine spike from people liking your pictures mm-hmm. or from, from other activity. But yeah, that's that's enough from my end. Maybe you can actually like complete the transition. Uh, tell us a bit more about which companies you're interested in that actually use dopamine spikes to I, I think not just to to just use them more.
1: Uh, thanks for 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 giving a a better overview of the topic so i think i totally agree i mean the i think the the distance between dopamine as more or less a biological topic to software and tech is actually quite it's quite near to each other which is interesting was also why the reason why we wanted to discuss it there are kind of several companies in different industries or um, different themes where you can actually identify that they potentially use dopamine signals as a way of of building the audience or at least bringing the audience back to the application. Um, for example, I mean, Instagram is one of them, of course, it's owned by Facebook. So they use different algorithms to keep people uh, in the feed, keep people in, uh, interested in different pictures. Uh, other apps, for example, are is Tinder where it's really about the, the sport of love, you could call it, where people are actually, uh, people are actually very, very poetic. Very afraid, of course. I I, I tried. Um, <laughs> uh, so I think the sport of love, of course, uh, is a different theme where people are actually addicted to meeting new people of different gender or of the same gender, whatever it is. Um, but they are interested what's, in meeting. What's
0: the What's the actual dopamine spike with Tindering? Is it meeting the people? Is it the matching? Is it getting messages? Like what What is it? Or is it is it a mix of all of them?
1: i a good question. I would suppose it's it's the matching part. Um, yeah, I think the meeting part is it. the result of it. But I think the matching mm-hmm. part of, of... Because I think the, what I found interesting, and you didn't mention it before, but um, what I've read also about dopamine is that it's some sort of encouragement um, that is being enabled through dopamine. And it's great for games or applications that are based on skills. For example, in lear- in the learning industry, it's great because you keep people in... Um, the 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 constant process of actually learning more in a positive way, but it's not great if we are talking about games that are based on chance, for example, lottery or even uh, even uh, social media apps like like Instagram, Facebook, or uh, the, the 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 sports of love apps like Tinder. They are potentially some sort of game that is based on chance because you and that's the point now to make the intersection to Tinder. You don't know who's going to match you next. Um, and I think that's the spark. Uh, if we talk about startup spark and uh, serendipity, that's the spark that interests people um, to okay, what's coming next? Who am I going to who I'm going to match next? And I think that's the interesting part about Tinder. When you when you kind of look further, I think going to the transportation industry, you can also see uh, with Uber and Lyft that the driver, from the driver perspective, they are actually uh, I don't want to say addicted, but they don't have some sort of dopamine signal to driving people around because the more people they drive around without sleeping, the more money they make. So money is directly linked to working more with every hour they actually invest into it. And that's a risk, of course, to the driver, but a chance for Uber to gain more drivers being interested uh, in actually pursuing the service. So I think those are a couple of interesting examples. One other, um, which is also completely out of the box, is also Amazon Prime. Where people actually collect debt because they can actually click on a button, and on the next in the next hour, they have a book right in front of their door. A book would be positive, but there's a lot of other shit that people order on Amazon that might not help them. And the 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 opportunities that are being given through Prime and the fast delivery is something that that also, of course, can be detrimental and dangerous to us humans.
0: Yeah, I, I totally agree, and that's also a very good transition to one of the higher level concepts that I wanted to talk about that uh, was framed by someone you have talked to or interviewed before, Nia Eyal, who wrote the book uh, Hooked, and I think at least one other book since then. And basically how how he defined it a bit is what these companies are doing is using a feedback cycle. And the feedback cycle roughly works like that, if I remember correctly. Uh, One, you have some kind of internal trigger uh, basically it talks about what does the user want and then there is an external trigger that is related to to the trigger so basically the the external trigger starts it all so how do you actually interact with the specific product for example hmm. uh, let's assume you're let's just use cinder you're i don't know spiping and may, maybe you just want a dopamine spike, maybe you want, fun, fun, want to find some, someone to meet, I don't know. And then uh, the next thing is the action. What's the action? The action is actually swiping, right? It's swiping left and right. And then the interesting part starts. That's where the reward comes in, and you you mentioned it. The, the variability of the reward is what's actually relevant, and that's mm-hmm. what actually, what's actually helping the dopamine to spike a bit more. And for example, as you said, you don't know who you will match in advance mm-hmm. if you don't buy the premium products. I think there, uh, I, I don't know whether that's all dating uh, apps, but I think some dating apps have introduced some like premium products where you can see who has matched you before,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, basically going the the fast lane. <laughs> um uh, around the, the which is another
1: course. trigger i mean people actually spend money to get that right so that's also yes. a risk especially for yes. people that are below 18 years old and stuff.
0: yeah yeah i think maybe dating is not the best example because you you always uh, you can walk into a lot of traps when you talk about it but let's stick to it we <laughs> we don't we don't cut here uh so basically yeah you're swiping and then you get the reward you you match some people it's good for your ego you, you get means spike and then basically there, there's some additional steps to it, but that's roughly like how it works. And the interesting thing about it is that these kinds of cycles, they are actually being used, as I mentioned before, by more and more companies, Ed tech companies have started using it. Dating companies have started using it. Social media companies have been using it for a very long time, but Like, by now, even investment companies are using Mm. it. Robinhood is a great example, right? Robinhood actually plays with your dopamine spikes as well. If you just invest, like, you're a retail investor, I don't know, high school student, college student, you invest 50 bucks, and then you're just, like, constantly checking uh, the stock market and your own portfolio. And then when, when the portfolio has risen by, like, 0.5% and you like own like I don't know like 20 cents more depending on your portfolio size you you get a dopamine spike it Mm -hmm. doesn't materially affect your life but it has become a game and I think the stock market is probably one of the best examples for variable rewards right Mm -hmm. and yeah so it has basically gotten to every single point or maybe not every single point but to most points of our lives and I think it's important to talk about it Because the better you understand it, the better you can protect yourself against it. And the better you can maybe also use it to build your own products. That's always the the weird things about these topics, right? Because on the one hand, it's one of the best things you can do as a product manager. Mm. That's why all these super smart engineers, product managers, etc., all these very important and highly valued uh, companies are doing it, right? And on the other hand, as a consumer, you need to think about how you can protect yourself. Maybe also, um, if you have children, especially those, how you can protect them uh, against it. And the like, maybe one more thing <laughs> to, to close it off. The, the, again, you need dopamine in your body. It's not mm. about not getting any dopamine at all. And sometimes dopamine spikes are the best things about life. If, if you exercise you get dopamine spikes. If you do some other really cool stuff, you get dopamine spikes. So dopamine spikes are actually related to some of the best things that can happen in life, Mm. but you just don't want to overdo it. And you don't, I think that's one of the core issues. You want your dopamine spikes, mostly in quotation marks, to be sparked by positive habits Mm. or by positive things. Because once you associate the dopamine spikes with negative coping mechanisms, that's usually a recipe for disaster and that's how you become addicted on the one hand on the more serious note to like drugs or alcohol or whatever and then on the other hand to maybe games or gambling or uh, whatever it can be.
1: But that's I think also where, where the awareness part comes in, right? Because I think the, the whole dopamine signaling part is not something that is totally new. Uh, emails have been there for 10, 15 years, 20 years and emails have always been uh, potentially a risk to people to get some sort of addiction by it and just clicking on emails every, every two minutes. But I think, and that's the reason when you are aware of the small things with email, social media apps, you can actually probably prevent bigger things like alcohol addiction, drug addiction actually from happening. Of course, we're not psychologists, we're not doctors, but I think there's some relation from a just a plain analysis of how you can prevent things from happening. And, and one thing that I wanted to add also is um, when you talk about product managers, engineers working on on making products um, products more efficient for the end user and actually build more more habits on the user side, interestingly enough, there's a whole new market that has actually arisen arose from software applications that are focusing on acquiring and Interpreting and understanding data and using that for the product manager to make better decisions of how to build more habit forming products. For example, MixPanel, Heat, all these different software applications help product managers make better decisions to form habits for the end users. And I think that's something where you see that there's a whole new market that arose in the last years just for specific optimization methodologies. Of course, they have other purposes as well, but one of them is specific optimization purposes, for example, time on site to just bring people uh, back to the site more and more and and, and keep them there. Those are additional products that are being built on top of it, which I found interesting.
0: Yeah. And I mean, people have been addicted for thousands and thousands of years, right? (laughs) It's nothing new. It's just if we understand the biology behind it a bit more. And also that technology just introduces new ways of becoming addicted that weren't possibilities like 20 years ago. I think mm-hmm. that's that's the only uh, the only thing, and one more thing that I wanted to add at this point about just coping mechanisms in general, because I have the feeling that many of those things are related to reducing stress or just coping with life in general. like uh, right, 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 ah, many people that become addicted, I stumbled there. Many people <laughs> that that become addicted start to facilitate these unhealthy habits because they are coping with Mm -hmm. something
2: Mm
0: -hmm. so I think one of the best things that you personally can do in general and that's one thing that I try to focus on very hard for myself it's not always easy is finding healthy coping mechanisms when you are stressed when you are in a very bad mood when you're sad I think that if you have healthy coping mechanisms your life is so much better
1: so maybe maybe like and then Drew... is, is that also because what I've heard and, and correct me if I' uh, if that's kind of a different direction, but what I've also heard is that you can exchange bad habits immediately with positive habits. for example, if you always if you meet friends, you always drink a glass of beer and you would love to prevent that. Um, you can find an alternative of maybe meeting friends in a certain location where they don't have beer or where they can only sell soda or whatever so that you kind of exchange. At least one element of the habit to a positive one um to prevent negative habits from more or less building up um, in in the future is that true
0: yes i i think if you if you want to like for the listeners if you want to learn more about habits read atomic habits from james clear it's one of the best books ever in my opinion and yeah i think substituting habits is one of the best things you can do i give you one example if you are someone who is Struggling with their diets and it's because you're eating too much like sweet stuff then like one thing that is suggested by by many people is that every time you crave something sweet, you just drink water or every mm-hmm. time you crave something sweet, you just have a healthy snack there that you actually like that you eat instead, so that you just as you, as you said earlier substitute the old habit with a new habit mm-hmm. and it should be something that's always like readily available and that you can do instead. And that's also uh, something that is suggested to people who have more like problematic tics. So uh, I think that's a a fairly good way of thinking about it. Mm -hmm. Maybe to transitioning, uh, we we could talk about that forever, right? But maybe transitioning off that topic, I I have like our book recommendation this week is actually related to it. But Mm -hmm. before that, maybe you can tell me what your main coping mechanisms are if you're stressed maybe, or if you're in a bad mood, so that you can give some others uh, a bit of inspiration. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, I would also like to hear how you use social media before we
1: transition. I think one one coping mechanism that we also talked about in the pre-chat uh, or in, yeah, in the pre-conversation that we had before the podcast is, um, is sports, and especially sports in moments where I feel tired or uh, just some form of i 'm I'm just like beaten up by the day somehow um, then sports and 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 maybe I think the previous um in my previous life more or less I probably would have looked at the phone or just try to find some sort of uh, alternative uh, to i don 't want to say to 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 get out of the feeling and then and, and just move into something where I can get a dopamine signal, which would of course be on the phone through social media or whatever. And I moved that and I switched that more and more to sports. I wouldn't say I'm perfect yet, but it's something where I've experienced that the gratification I get through sports has helped me immensely to move out of a state of tiredness or just out of a state of, of a certain mindset I don't like, especially in the evening. So I think that's something that i I could have shifted. And it's one, one of the coping mechanisms yeah it's also my
0: main coping mechanism like i I had a time like a couple of years ago where i didn 't really feel that well I was super stressed. I was very sad because of a couple of things that happened uh, in my closer circle and every time I felt bad, I just started working out so sometimes i was actually it was when I still studied, so sometimes I was in the gym three times a day just because like every like every every time it just started, I just left what, whatever I was doing and just went to the gym so i was um on one hand, in good shape, but on the other hand, <laughs> uh, it, it worked. It actually worked. And I think it's getting – You need you need to have good access to your coping mechanism, right? So if I hadn't lived like one minute walking distance from the gym, mm. then it would have been more difficult. So I would have had to find something else. Some people like running. You can do that almost everywhere. Then meditation is something many people yeah, stick to. and use when they're feeling stressed so that's something that you can do if you don't like traditional meditation you can do breathing exercises or something like that yeah and then one other thing that i've recently discovered that's really helping me from time to time is actually going um to a place where you don't use your phone it can be the nature it can be a spa or something Mm -hmm. and just like leave the phone at home or in a safe or whatever and just like spend time with yourself maybe nap a bit Maybe go into a pool. It depends on your COVID restrictions, right? In, in your given area. So that's true. I don't know, I don't know what's possible uh, where you're living, but that's one of the things that was or is still really, really helping me. And yeah, cool. maybe, maybe, maybe while we're talking about that, one thing that we haven't talked about earlier that's a fairly big trend in Silicon Valley or has been for the past year and still going on is dopamine fasting. Mm-hmm. So it's the idea of reducing. Dopamine spike events like alcohol, food, sometimes even like physical contact, sex, but like some people do it a bit more like social media, everything related to that. And it can have different intensities, but basically the idea behind it is to rewire your brain to bring it back to a state where it doesn't require constant dopamine spikes and where even let's say, smaller dopamine spikes that are sufficient for you. Mm -hmm. And I actually have a couple of friends, especially in the founder ecosystem in San Francisco, who are really, really followers of the belief that dopamine fasting is one of the best things you can do from time to time. It can start with just not using your phone or the internet at all on a Sunday, every Sunday. Or it can be as, as crazy as one of my buddies who has done like a full month retreat and is doing it, I think every, every half a year where he's, he's working, but he's only working in a way where, where it's very, very basic. I think he has access to email and that's almost it. And otherwise he's like mainly living as a monk, which is probably not the most practical thing for you if you have a normal job or a startup to build, but for him it works. So, interesting. and I, I actually don't know the science behind it. I've I've done some research. I think there's no real empirical science backing it up yet. But from the subjective reports of lots of people I know, it can be very, very rewarding feeling. And it actually reminds me of doing meditation retreats where you don't do anything else than just meditate for, I don't know, a week, a month. It depends on how long you want to do it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think that's something that you should consider, especially if you are very deep in one specific Let's call it addiction, either your phone, maybe you drink too much, maybe,
1: maybe just do having, having a fairly long break makes, makes sense. Agree. I agree. I uh, I didn't know too much about it. Uh, and I read a couple of things about dopamine fasting, but I think um, you can do minor things probably, right? Just, as you said, just turn your phone off on Sunday and see what happens when you wake up Monday morning, if that, that has a change on your, or if that has an impact on your thinking. Maybe we should actually
0: start doing some self-experiments here for, with the podcast, and then and telling telling the uh, the folks who are, who are listening what, what the results are. Maybe dopamine fasting is one thing that we should try very soon.
1: I like that. That's a good idea. Okay. And and, and we could also do like thirty days of of, of X. Do thirty okay. days of. Do
0: yeah. do, you have, do you have an idea? Thirty days of X challenge. Or do you do you want to think about it and we talk about it the next time? Yeah, I
1: mean, like even things like thirty days of meditation can be interesting to evaluate and then give feedback about. But um, <laughs> yeah, let, let's find some interesting topics.
0: <laughs> yeah, we can we can do the like productive harder version of thirty days of email inbox zero every single day, or we can do so, or we can do something more fun.
1: <laughs> Maybe let's let's choose something more fun. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, I agree. I, I'm totally on the more fun side. <laughs> Uh, okay. One, one uh, very important thing for me for, for this episode is actually the book recommendation because it is related to some, like something we talked about to some degree. Mm-hmm. And so basically to, to transition to that, we talked a bit about mental health problems and there are more and more studies pointing towards the detrimental effects of social media on our mental health. But then also COVID is really, I think, affecting the mental health of many people negatively. Mm-hmm. On the one hand, because it destroys economic chances for some people, on the other hand, because it just increases loneliness. And there's just this like feeling of despair, sometimes depression, anxiety. So it's just increasing in general. Mm -hmm. And then there's this statistic that I still find insane, that 82% of people will have a negative mental health event in their lives. And maybe you know someone who's struggling or you're struggling yourself. And there's one book that was recommended to me like like five years ago or so when I had a, a bit tougher time because of some um, uh, like private things that happened and I was struggling a bit with anxiety and also a bit of depression. After that. And this book was one of the best things that I've ever read and it really helped me to get out of it. And since then has actually helped multiple of my friends to get out of bad mental health, um, like periods. And it always depends, right? Sometimes you just need professional support. Sometimes you might actually medic, like meds to get out of it. But yep. this book is one of the coolest things that has consistently helped people that I know and has also helped me like a long time ago. So I just wanna recommend it. It's called At Last Alive and it's really good. I recommended it to a friend even like a couple of weeks ago and then to another good friend of mine beginning of this year. And she used it and she really liked it as well. Uh, do you actually know the book?
1: I, I We talked about it before, us two, uh, very shortly. Okay. And uh, interestingly enough, I have a friend who's also struggling with a couple of topics at the moment and I send it to him as... Um, Yeah, a personal gift and he received it I think uh, two days ago and um, he he started reading it so I'm super excited to also uh, understand what he thinks about it uh, especially in his current situation so I I took your recommendation, I don't know it personally one thing that I would be interested to know from you is whether you still know an element of the book that has somehow um, sparked your interest in changing something that has actually had an impact on why you felt better or in a certain situation.
0: Yeah, so I, I think that it's very important to like, clarify, as always, we're not doctors, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but, sure. yeah. So how I understand it is that like, many many mental health problems, if they're not the extremely severe one, and even then often originate through traumatic events in your actual life. And there can be anything from being fired at your job to a family member dying or like you being sick or something.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: and that that can actually or just or just stress over like multiple years, right? Mm-hmm. No pause, no break, no, no, nothing um, like in, in the area of burnout or something. So that, that's actually what many many of my acquaintances are suffering from. And then you're in this like weird state where, I don't know, maybe you're, you have anxiety or depression or whatever, Like people have different symptoms. But one common cause that I have noticed, and then also one, one additional um, fact that's important, I actually thought about uh, building a mental health startup uh, mm. before I founded my current startup. So I went really deep into the whole topic with one of my current co-founders and we talk to many therapists, we talk to many patients, et cetera. So a lot of what I'm currently talking about is also based on that. Mm-hmm. And so when you're in this situation, and I can only relate to some degree um, because there's obviously different severities, but when you're in that situation that you're depressed or anxious, in your head, there's two things that are really like bad for you. One,
2: mm-hmm.
0: the actual feeling. And the feeling can be like a panic attack or something like that, or it can be just that nothing is there if you're depressed. But what's what's most disturbing for, for at least most people that I've talked to is the feeling that it doesn't go away. And you can't really imagine that it will ever go away. And I think one very important thing from the book that I... Back in the day and that also many many of my friends really took away from it was when you're in this situation and you're feeling down or anxious or whatever it is in your case the the fact that you're thinking about it and stressing about it actually makes it worse so basically if you just accept it for the time being and just say okay well i am anxious now or i am like feeling very sad now or whatever it is that is actually breaking a very vicious cycle that drags you down further mm-hmm. And that that I think is one of the most important and most powerful concepts in the book that sounds very obvious and trivial, but isn't. Mm, in practice yeah. it isn't, yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that was the, the
1: most powerful thing for me. Cool. thanks for thanks for sharing Mike um, yeah I think there are different people that are potentially in that situation uh, Even from the listening side you never know what's behind the curtain so thanks for sharing that and and maybe yeah
0: maybe I have to I have to add one more thing uh, go ahead. More things one it can go better and it will go better because mm-hmm. like I, I I know that for a fact after talking to many 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 different people mm-hmm. and then two, there are more people that are struggling with that than you might imagine. I don't know about mm. your circle of friends, but my specific circle of friends—and with circle of friends, I mean very broadly, right? I don't mean my five best friends, but very broadly.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: There's a huge number of people suffering either from anxiety attacks or hmm. de- like some form of depression, and obviously they're not talking about it, right? If you're not their best friends, but right. uh, sometimes you notice it. Sometimes you just get into a conversation and and reach that point but it's actually well like it's more widely distributed as you might think
1: mm-hmm. agree and yeah and it's still crazy. not crazy it's still not fully accepted to talk about it in, as even knowing in, you are in a close circle and that's also potentially maybe something that where these kind of books can help to uncover that and, and talk to people about it and just get a reflection point of what other people think about it. And especially people that have also read different things about it, they can be very helpful in those situations. So I appreciate uh, the insight. Um, yeah. Cool?
0: Yeah, the stigma, Too close? Sorry, oh. the, the, the stigma is actually a problem, right? Because if I was in a, in a problematic state right now, or thought that I could like, slip into one, I might actually not talk about it right now, mm. just because there is this stigma. But I just, I just think it has to be broken at some point as well, right? Agreed. So yeah, uh, maybe, maybe that actually, that's actually a topic we can get, a, get an interview on mm. with someone who knows a lot about it. I, I know some folks in the space who might be very interesting.
1: I would love to have one. Yeah, I think uh, it's a good topic, especially also mental, mental health startups, I think are interesting to discover. I agree. Cool to uh, to cover it off, um, or to to close it off. Not cover it off. Close it off. Um, <laughs> there, there there needs to be one one missentence sentence off from my side. So I think that that happened just now. Um, quote of the week. Go ahead, Mike. That's your stage.
0: Yeah. So I have two. Do you want to hear number one or number two?
1: Um, number two.
0: Okay. So it's from Lao Tzu, and the quote is: "Be content with what you have." rejoice in the way things are when you realize there's nothing lacking the whole world belongs to you which is very closely related to being grateful for what you have mm-hmm. and gratitude is actually one of the best uh, gratitude journal is one of the things that can actually improve your mood emp- empirically proven
1: mm-hmm. so yeah I really sure. like the quote cool thanks for sharing that and uh, thanks for the episode I think we covered a couple of different topics but they are somehow very closely related and, um, I, I highly appreciate it also a topic that I mean it's not very of course, it's related to tech, dopamine, but it's not directly part of the hierarchy of thinking about tech. So I think thanks for, 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 for the great discussion, Mike. Um, really enjoyed it and uh, looking forward to seeing you next time.
0: Yeah, it was nice. We didn't talk super deeply about the next business model <laughs> <laughs> developments or uh, what, what's happening, but I think uh, it's, it's also a topic that's just touching so many people. That's true. So yeah. I, I really enjoyed it.
1: Likewise. Thanks nice. for, for the show.
0: Have a good day. Bye-bye.
1: Likewise. Bye-bye.